Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Ray Penning. I'm with New Jersey School Board Association. This is our podcast, a uh, special podcast, Conversations, uh, uh, with educators on the COVID-19 uh, front line. Uh, just a, a program designed to give you some good news about how our educators have stepped up to the plate and are um, dealing with this situation. If you want to ask a question uh, to our uh, guest, you can a, call in 1-347-989-8904 and just press the number 1, and that will let Robin know, who's managing our switchboard, to get your name. Or if you're in the chat room, you can just, uh, type in a question, I'll pass it on to him. This will be about 20 to 30 minute uh, podcast. Uh, with me is Dr. Robert Zwicky from the Mount Olive School District uh, in Morris County. Uh, so uh, welcome, Dr. Zwicky. How Thank are you? Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'm doing well. I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Okay. And uh, just for the, uh, our listeners who do not know where uh, Mount Olive is and the type of school district it is, could you just give us a very brief overview of it? Sure. Mount Olive is in uh, western Morris County. Um, if you come out of the Lincoln Tunnel and go straight west on uh, Route 80 um, for about 45, 50 minutes, you will hit Mount Olive. Um, it's a lovely community. Um, it's, you know, suburban, exurban, if you will. We have about 4,600 students in the school district, four elementary schools, a middle school, and a high school. Um, and it's a, the district that's had a, a long history of being really innovative and progressive, which is what attracted me to the district. Um, and we have fantastic families and amazing teachers and wonderful students. Okay. And you did mention, and it is true, that Mount Olive has had a history of trying to be on the edge of cutting edge of technology and learning techniques. Um, when this, you know, when you planned out your year, this was not on your radar, I don't think. Uh, the outbreak and schools being closed. When you first started getting to the field, what were some of the steps that you took? So we started discussing it um, with my administrative team about, I would say about a month before, um, you know, some of the official things happened. Um, but we were monitoring it actually, you know, in December. Um, we had some high incidence of, of flu in December, and we switched over to, to total flu protocols in early December. And then when we heard about coronavirus, we said, okay, we're just going to keep, we're going to keep this going indefinitely. And those flu protocols were, um, you know, we have electrostatic sanitizing guns and basically extra overtime shifts where we sanitized our buses, sanitized all our touch points and flat surfaces throughout the district. So that was a lot of extra work. And we, we were there since December. So from that perspective, um, we were, we were somewhat prepped. Um, on March 5th, um, I uh, went to a meeting um, in Trenton, um, with some superintendents and the commissioner. And the commissioner explained that based upon this evolving crisis that the DOE was going to be issuing some guidance regarding, you know, what, what previously defined home instruction, what does home instruction look like, and that there might be these, these closures. So that was pretty, pretty mind-blowing. Um, I remember driving back from Trenton. I called, uh, many of, I called my board president, 
called many of my board members, and I'm like, this, this, is, this is becoming real. I called my whole admin team. Um, March 6th, I summoned together my, my whole admin team and said, you know, we need to start preparing to, to deliver instruction. What is that going to look like? And so at this point, I want to give a huge shout-out to my board because, you know, we were one of the first districts in the state who, who mobilized. We immediately put out to our staff and to our parents that, that following Monday, March 9th, we were going to have a professional development day. The kids weren't going to come in, and we were going to, to prep for the closure. So, you know, over that weekend, you know, I was getting calls from lots of superintendents who were like, are you really doing this? Are, is, this is this for real? Is this really going on? And, you know, my board was, you know, like I said, that, that mindset of, of support and being a team, they were, they were right there with me, you know, that we, we got to be prepped for, for whatever comes next. So on, um, on Monday, March 9th, I brought my full staff together, every, all employees in the district, everybody, and explained to them that, one, if, if a closure did happen, we would continue you know, with operations in the district, that's payroll and all that other stuff. But most importantly, we need to support families during this time period. And so, but at that point, we only thought it was going to be two weeks at the most. And I think everyone was in that position. So we had, you know, over the previous 16 months, we did a lot of work with the Future Ready Schools certification program. I personally trained over 300 teachers on Google Level 1 and Level 2 certification. So, you know, a lot of these pedagogies that we were, we were you know, starting to work with um, really – were, were well suited for this kind of asynchronous, blended online and also old school paper um, distance learning format. But most of it was going to be asynchronous, and we leveraged choice boards. So we broke out all of our teachers into subject and grade level PLCs, and they developed two um, to three weeks worth of plans. So then we were, we were kind of prepped and ready to go um, that Friday, um, which was the 13th, we put the word out that we would be we would be closing as of the 16th, and then the next week the governor put out that, that, that everyone would be closed. What we quickly recognized um, was that the asynchronous piece would only really be good for about two weeks, and that if this was going to go okay. beyond March 27th, we needed to switch things up. And that's, that's really where we are now. And so we've made a switch to a more directed, basically online school format. And so what are some of the obstacles in this that you have? You felt. I mean, I, you were probably a little bit more prepared than a lot of districts because you were working on this beforehand. But still, there must have been some obstacle. What was the, some of the hardest parts? So I think the, the the well, the first part was, and I kept saying this over and over again. You know, we had many teachers who wanted to go right to this online format, right on on March 16th. Um, the problem was we did not have um, we, we we did not have you know first of all we weren't one to one throughout the whole district. We have enough devices in our buildings. But truly, with taking device home, devices home, it was just our high school students. Our plan is to do that next year at the, at the middle school. So the first thing we did was we made sure we deployed devices to all of our middle school students and then had a device request pickup, um, you know, pickups by request for families in grades K through 5 if they didn't have devices at home. So we've done two deployments for those elementary kids. But essentially, any kid in district who wants a Chromebook can get one. The other thing we did was we worked with our internet provider that all of our devices that we give to families are web enabled. So if a kid has one of our devices and parents can just request one, they have internet access and they, so it took time to do that. So um, we didn't have that ready to go on the 16th. Um, it took those extra two weeks to get all that up and rolling. We now have that as of March 30th. So that was a big equity point. So that, that idea that this was gonna exacerbate, you know, the haves and have nots of who has internet, who doesn't, um, and we were looking at about 10 to 15% of our kids did not have, you know, a good source of internet access. So 
um, coming overcoming that big hurdle was one of I think the biggest challenges, and we have since done that. Wow. Uh, and how is the virtual learning? What makes virtual learning a good? Uh, what makes good virtual learning? Uh, how's it different from the classroom? Uh, so I brick think, and mortar. Yeah, so I think it, so completely. The first thing is flexibility, right? So um, you know where where we spent a lot of time as an administrative team. Or we're designing schedules um, that provided flexibility. And one, flexibility for teachers, because our teachers are home with their kids, their families. They might have people in their families who are sick, et cetera. So the idea of people logging on totally synchronously from 8.30 in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's just unreasonable. We, we, we can't do that to, for teachers or for kids. So we wanted to design a schedule that provided flexibility, and we've done that. So basically we have blocks of time where teachers, you know, math is 8 to 10. So if kids want to participate in a synchronous lesson, they know that on A day and C day that math is during that time period and that social studies is during B day and D day. Because what was happening was actually a good problem. We had te multiple teachers at the same time sending, sending requests for Google Hangouts to kids, and kids were like, well, which class do I participate in? So we had to set up a schedule that provided some flexibility based upon kids, you know, the dynamics in their home, whether they all were able to get online, also for the teachers, that we did have this overlap of instruction. And so we've successfully done that, and we've put out some, I think, some really thoughtful schedules. We're in day four of that, and, and I think it, it's working really well. So it's a balance between when can you be synchronous, when are you posting things where the kids are working independently, and then where's that support. So one of the things in, you know, with our teachers we worked out, that besides all of our teachers doing one session a week on of, of actual instruction, they're also doing office hour sessions so that kids who need support while they're working independently or they can't make the other session that their teachers are available to them. And we're doing those synchronous instruction sessions and office hours through Google Hangouts. Do the classroom aides uh, participate in any of that extra help uh, or as part of that yes, uh, office yes. hours? We, okay. we, have, we have started to incorporate them. That's, that started more this week. Um, the other thing that I, I think, you know, that I'm really proud of that we've done, we have a, um, a Tier 2 response intervention program called the Mount Olive Success Academy that runs during regular school session in the morning or in the afternoon three days a week. We're also running that, that program via Google Hangouts with mm. small group instruction. So we're, we're running our intervention program, and we're also running our after-school gifted and talented program via Google Hangouts as well. So we're trying as much as possible. We know it's not perfect. We know it's not the same as, as all being together in school but we're trying to continue that, that continuity of academic programs as much as possible. You did a lot, and you kind of touched on it before, but um, how do you communicate this out? I know how you did it with this, the staff. How do you communicate this out to the, the parents and the students so that they, they're all on board with it? Uh, how did you do that? Because uh, it seems like you have a pretty good method for doing that. So it's, uh, it's, it's really, you know, it, it's a scattershot of communications, um, but very deliberate. But you got you to, gotta, you know, we, we can't under-communicate. Under so I think, first and foremost, we have everything posted on our website. Um, we also leverage all of our social media. So it's on, it's on Twitter and it's on Facebook. Um, I'm now doing a daily blog. Um, so there's a daily update for me that parents can subscribe to. In the early days, where, you know, it's a month ago, in the early days of this, um, I did a bunch of videos. Um, since then, I've, I've done parent universities. Um, I did a couple via Google Hangout. Um, I'm now doing them via Facebook Live. I actually did one last night where parents can post questions and, and they can hear from me. So, you know, 
trying to, to saturate this way everyone has as much information as possible. And then also, you know, the principals are doing daily announcements. They're doing little videos. Um, they're also doing messages to the kids and then the individual teachers, um, you know, putting out information via Google Classroom. So the idea is that there's a daily flow of information, which can, I understand, be overwhelming to parents. But I'd rather, you know, over-communicate rather than people say, I didn't know. So um, that, that's flowing every single day from, from us to the families. Wow. Um, you mentioned what the principals are doing. Uh, I have heard concerns, well, what's the role of the principal, now that they don't have a building, and what's the role of the administrators? Do they help bond, uh, put the, the word out for you and help you in different buildings and with the students? Absolutely. Uh, all of my administrators, they're, they're working their butts off. You know, <laughs> I feel like not that we weren't working hard earlier, but the days now are so much longer in some ways. We, we have our own administrative meetings, but they all are tasked with different things. But they're, plan they're you know, providing direct support to students and to teachers, helping to solve different issues because all of our kids have different fam family circumstances. So there's lots of different issues where we're trying to be flexible or make accommodations for kids. And so our principals are really the point for that. The other thing is to keep that normalcy going. So our principals are doing morning announcements and the pledge in the morning, um, and they're doing video messages. Um, I have one principal who has like kind of like a puzzle quest going on. I have other principals who are reading bedtime stories to kids and, and doing things like that. So the principals are extremely active, and I think one of the reasons why our, our you know the feedback I hear from our families is really positive because the kids still feel connected, and I think the principals are a big mm -hmm. part of making that happen. That is not just the teachers. In many ways, the principal is the face of that building, uh, of that school, uh, to the parents and to the students. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I just wanted to backtrack one thing that you mentioned, and I meant to do a follow-up, but you, you went on to a couple other things. What's in your parent university? What are some of the goals of the parent university that you're doing? Um, so I think the first thing is just for parents to, to get some face time with me. Um, you know, to get, to get a little bit of a, an adult conversation about what's going on. So one, for parents to see that I'm engaged, um, to, to see my face, to hear my voice, to hear from me. It's one thing to uh, read a blog or, or read a, a post on social media, but to hear me actually explain what this looks like um, and give examples of it, I think, I think is really important. But the, the real goal is, you know, trying to explain the nuances of this unprecedented pedagogical shift in which we're redesigning education and explain that to parents who are stressed out, who've got kids at home, who are juggling work, and who are not necessarily folks with an education background, I mean, they're not part of the profession. You know, so that's, that's a heavy lift. And so anytime that I can do that verbally and people can see my inflections and things like that, I, I think is really important. So that, that's the main goal. And then not only that, you know, when people can throw comments and questions on Facebook, you also get a sense of, you know, what are, what are the hot-button issues. So, you know, questions that I keep answering you know, repeatedly that I don't have the answers to. What's happened to the prom? I don't know yet. What day will graduation be? <laughs> I don't know if we're even going to have one. <laughs> so, you know, I've answered, you know, is the middle school trip going to Washington, D.C.? That was scheduled for June. You know, so, like, now I'm starting off my parent universities with, okay, so here are the answers to these questions. I don't know about the following things. Sports, the prom, the Washington, D.C. chip. Um, but yeah. I think them hearing it from me could also dispel some rumors as well. But it, it's also just, once again, the way that the, you know, principals are the face of the buildings. I'm the face of the district, and so if they can hear my voice and see what we're, we're working on. Well, as we move forward on this, and um... – and this is a big challenge all, all across the state, and it's different in every school district. What do you see as some of the, the challenges that 
keep you up at night as we move forward on this because it looks like it's going to be a fairly long time that we're doing this. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think one, um, you know, kids who are at risk for a variety of reasons, you know, in, in every district there are kids who where school is, you know, the safest place for them in so many different ways, emotionally, a lot of different ways. So for kids who don't have the best um, home environment, you know, I, I worry about those kids. Um, I worry about what is it going to look like when we do come back? Is it just going to, we're going to get a notice on a Friday and we all show up on Monday? Um, you know, we can't just go back into, into instruction. We have to, uh, you know, debrief from this experience, you know, kind of social emotionally and, you know, what is that going to look like? And then, you know, the, there's the, the other thing is globally in education, this is exacerbating the gaps, you know, the gaps that were there before mm-hmm. that are predicated upon, you know, socioeconomic issues, you know, kids who have four devices at home and have, you know, pa- two parents to help them and older siblings and everyone's healthy. And, you know, those kids are going to, that potentially do better than kids who, who don't have all those resources at home. So I, I worry about that globally in, in education. And then, you know, and then the other piece of that, how do we, how do we make up for that? And, and when is that going to happen? Because if we are at until June, are there going to be summer remedial programs? Are we going to be able to do that? Or are we just going to wait until September? So there's so many questions um, out there about all that. But I think, um, you know, the, the main worry for me are those at-risk kids. And uh, in, including at-risk is special education. Has that been a difficult obstacle, too? Um, so I would say for us it hasn't been because that first day when we got together on March 9th, I, you know, beat the drum for the whole entire staff. This needs to be fully differentiated for all kids. So, you know, our baseline instruction, we've been designing it to meet the needs of all kids. We just kind of had the, the handcuffs taken off recently from the feds and from the state and that we can provide re- related services now via, via Google Hangout and teleconference and things like that. So that, that is helping us. Um, but one of the things that we've done for our families is that our guidance counselors and our child study team members are available by appointment, basically 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. So if there's any of those questions, families can reach out and we can be really, really responsive. So. You know, when it comes to this, are, you know, to be completely honest, are we going to be able to absolutely fulfill every IEP? Is anyone going to be able to do that? I don't think so. I think everyone's making best efforts to do so, to try and get that. But there are, based on kids, you know, disabilities and with these physical limitations, there, there are challenges there. So that is something that, that's a global conversation we have to talk about. You know, what about, you know, what about kids with IEPs during this whole process? Yeah, and I want to... Go to, uh, we're talking to Dr. Robert Zawicki, Superintendent of Mount Olive. If you have a question, uh, you can dial 1-347-989-8901, press 1, and that will let Robin know that you have a question. Or you can just type it into the chat room, and I'll pass it on to uh, Dr. Zawicki. Uh, let's talk about some of the things, though, that you're proud of in your district. And I know one thing I saw, but uh, you can add to the other one. Uh, what about the face mask that you're helping to – Sure. So I'll definitely highlight that. I'm I'm super. I'm, let me give the, the thing I'm most proud of are our teachers because, you know, they're stressed out as, as everyone else, and they are just absolutely hitting it out of the ballpark, just going above and beyond for our kids, and and doing so much in this really you know um, you know tense and unprecedented environment. So I want to say that our teachers are amazing, and so you know we have um, under the leadership of our engineering teacher Dave Bodmer. 
Um, we're really lucky at Mount Olive High School. We have the MIL, which is the Marauder Innovation Learning Lab. And we actually have a bay of 35 3D printers. So um, Dave was contacted by Rutgers and NYU and Montclair State saying, like, hey, we hear you have all these 3D printers. Do you think you could help us out? So starting last week, um, Dave started printing um, components for face shields, basically mm -hmm. the piece that goes across the, the forehead. And they were printing about 100 a day. Um, they've now shifted to – they've shifted the design a little bit, and they're working with some folks from, um, from Warren Hills uh, Regional High School. And, you know, they're now delivering – I'm about to post on Facebook, you know, pictures of the face shields that have been delivered to doctors and nurses at Hackettstown and Newton Hospital at, at Morristown and also for our first responders. So, you know, even though the building is sealed, we have a couple of superhero teachers that are, that are you know, um, printing and supplying this protective gear to our frontline medical professionals. That I'm super proud of. Wow. And I, I know um, you try to, uh, you know, ahead of the curve in terms of technology. It's probably not something that you expected. Was there anything else that a teacher did you said, wow, I wish I would have thought of that? I think, um, I think how teachers are um, creatively, I don't want to say tricking kids, but using the Hangouts not just to do direct instruction but using um, when, they, when they can get kids on Hangouts and have synchronous sessions to make it a social-emotional support where they're really asking kids about what's going on with you, tell me about cool things that have happened. Oh, you lost a tooth. You, you learned to ride a bike without training wheels, right? So I think the emotional connection that's happening during those sessions right before they're, you know, before they're jumping into you know, learning about long division I think that point of contact that, that the, the teachers are having with their kids and how it's keeping our kids to feel, feel connected and safe, I think that's really, really important, and that's the part that impresses me the most, um, that, that, that giving of time and that social-emotional support that our teachers are providing for our kids. Well, that's really uh, impressive because I think the one thing that I was worried about was that social-emotional aspect of uh, learning and teaching and a lot of those kids are going to need that, and they might need it more now than they did uh, before. So that's impressive. Absolutely. Any other final thoughts? Any other final recommendations or thoughts as we move forward? We're coming towards I the end. I think the biggest thing, you know, I know there's, um, and, and this is for, you know, board members listening and uh, uh, fellow superintendents who are listening out there. You know, right now I know there's these conversations about, well, how are we going to evaluate teachers? and Are we going to do video observations? Like, to me, those are all conversations we can have in a couple of weeks. I think right now we need to, to look out for the, you know, like I said, the, the mental, the social, emotional health of our teachers and, and our students. And if our teachers feel supported, they're going to continue to embrace these, these technologies and be there for our kids. I don't think this is a time to be scheduling meetings with teachers about SGOs or doing observations. We're going to have plenty of time to do that. I'm hoping there's some type of portfolio format for that um, rather than, you know, this shouldn't be a gotcha time with teachers. This should be a time mm -hmm. to celebrate teachers and all the amazing things that they're doing for families. And I think that's the most important thing. If we support our teachers, our kids will be supported through this process. Right. And I guess uh, uh, when you talked about before, that's probably one of the jobs of the, the principal and the other administrators is to be supportive and monitor the teachers uh, too at this yeah. point. Not, and not to Absolutely. play gotcha, as you said. Not, not a gotcha, okay. but what, what can we do to help you? And, you know, and, and for me, back to the evaluation piece, it, this is going to be a thing where we're still doing evaluations. I want to do it a portfolio. I want to look at a portfolio of what teachers have done in Google Classroom and have a conversation that's reflective. 
rather than being big brother in a video chat watching watching a teacher with kids. Um, I, I don't think that's, that's, you know, conducive to the culture we're trying to build right now of mutual support and that we're all in this together and let, let's help each other through this process. Okay. That brings us to the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Robert Zawicki. He's the superintendent of the Mount Olive School District. I hope you enjoyed I think you brought up some very good points. Uh, um, I'm impressed at how quickly you responded. Actually, you started responding quicker because you could see it coming a, a little bit, uh, which I think a lot of us did not. So uh, I'd like to thank you, and I'd like to congratulate you, you and so your entire teaching staff for the way that, that they have uh, really pulled together. Uh, and really, and they're still helping the kids in Mount Olive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate okay. it. Okay. That brings us to the end, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Zawicki. And you can all have a good, good afternoon. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.